With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On The Man Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, remember that Primetime is brought to you by our friends over at Freeman Mazda. Net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But before we do any of that, let's get right into what happened last week. And I wanted to have this conversation because we didn't have it over the last few shows because there was a lot to talk about with the Super Bowl, with all of that. But these two men that you see on the screen made it into the Hall of Fame. Very different situations for each of them because Shock had to wait 45 years. It was somewhat of a cruel, cruel wait at times. Mickey Spagnola wrote on the Cowboys website about where Shock is at right now. You know, 86 years old. He had this, uh, he is dealing with late stage dementia. His son was. In big part, you know, the the guy leading the charge for the Hall of Fame to finally induct his father. But Chuck deserves to be in there. He was a part of the famous Doomsday defense, five-time All-Pro in his NFL career. He was the fourth player ever inducted into the Cowboys' iconic Ring of Honor back in 1976. His career almost didn't happen, by the way especially with the Cowboys, because Howley planned to permanently retire before even becoming a member of the Cowboys because he had a knee injury that he suffered when he was with the Chicago Bears before joining Dallas. And they he started working at a gas station before deciding to try his knee out one more time. He wore a helmet when doing a, a star helmet, a star on his helmet, excuse me, for 14 more seasons. And he was right there with the Cowboys as the team played in multiple Super Bowls. And he owns a very unique, very, very unique uh, record that will never be broken. He is the only defensive player to ever win a Super Bowl MVP. I digged around. I, I, I digged some old newspapers to really understand how Chalk actually won the Super Bowl MVP back in 1971. And we'll take a look at those. Uh, there's some fun stuff. You will enjoy it. Uh, but we will save that until the One Cool Thing segment. So spoiler alert, you already know what my One Cool Thing is. But uh, stick around for that because, I mean, I had a lot of fun. Uh, there is one paragraph in those newspapers that you got to check out. And we will do that uh, later uh, here on the show. 
Bro says, uh, Mo with the opening drive touchdown. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We nailed that one. Uh, shout out to Joey Vela. Thank you for your comment. He says, Mauricio, you're the true MVP. Happy Valentine's Day. Hey, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. I, I didn't, I, I, I'm not wearing red because of Valentine's Day, but it couldn't have been better timing. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Hope that you guys had some fun. Shout out to Bruce. We've got uh, Maddie H in the chat as well. We've got Toxic Tom saying, Mo is wearing his Kansas City shirt. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Just uh, picked it at random. <laughs> uh, Gilbert, what is up? Uh, shout out to Gregory as well. We've got Mitrius Adams saying, Darren Woodson should have made it. He got shunned again. Man. Socks that Darren Woodson doesn't get the nod yet, right? Uh, maybe he was hurt by the fact that the Hall of Fame was going to induct two other Cowboys players and they didn't have to, they didn't want to induct uh, three of them. But also, Darren has been waiting for a while now. He is perhaps the one player from the 90s that, that really deserves to be in there and, and isn't in there yet. I don't know if he will ever make it. Um, Clearly, he has been good enough to, like, you know, stick around the lot. So that will always the ballot. So that will always give us hope. We all want Darren Woodson to be in it. Three-time Super Bowl champion with the Cowboys. Big, big part of those defenses. So we'll see if that changes eventually. And Marcus, where you have heard, you have heard it all by now. Ninth time all uh ninth in the all-time sacks leaderboard, at least the official one since 1982. He's the second fastest player to make it to 100 sacks. Behind only Reggie White. So that is a good company to be in. White is uh literally one of the greatest of all times across every position, I would say. So yeah, now the question becomes to me. Who follows? I think that the, the very important thing about Wurz's induction, which might be one year late because I thought that he was going to be a first-year Hall of Famer, thought that he had the credentials to do so, and there were some players last year inducted that you looked at the resumes, and it sucked that it... I mean, the Marcus Wurz literally got punished because it was his first year in the ballot. But if he's good enough, he's good enough. Vote for him, period. But where... Where did win the Super Bowl? Let's address that first. Where did win the Super Bowl with the Broncos? I know that. But if, if that had not happened, if that Broncos epilogue to his career didn't take place and he finished his career without a championship ring, he would have still been in the, in the Hall of Fame. We know that, right? We know that uh, where was going to make it into Canton anyways. And as such, I think that it is kind of like an important thing, a, a relevant factor of this whole thing, that where is the first cowboy ever to make it into Canton without having won a Super Bowl when he was with the Dallas Cowboys? I think that's important. I definitely do. And so tonight, my, my, the question that I want to answer is who could be next? For the Cowboys, there is one top name that, in my opinion, is the obvious one, the obvious answer to this question. And we'll take a look at a lot of guys. Sp specifically, I have four in mind that I think 
we need to put in the table and we need to talk about them. Not all of them, I believe, will eventually make it to Canton, but I think they are the most relevant names. So with that, I ask you, who do you think is going to follow the Marcus Ware and become the next Cowboys Hall of Famer of the non-Super Bowl era? Let's talk, let's call it that. So who do you think makes it next among those Dallas Cowboys that were not in the Super Bowl themes? Let me know in the chat while you give me your answers. And before I give you mine, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. Because as you guys know, this is a family-owned business for over 65 years. And you can check out their dealership over at Irving, Texas. Or you can check out their website to see their wide range of new and used vehicles. You can check out the features of each and every one of them. The pictures inside and outside. And trust me, when you choose Freeman Mazda, you are choosing a lifelong partnership with your car dealer. And as we do every night here on Primetime, we have the ride of the week, which in this case is a 2023 Mazda CX-9 Touring All-Wheel Drive. This one starts $40,495. It's got all-wheel drive, third row sitting, a Wi-Fi hotspot, which is an absolute game changer, sunroof, rear air conditioning, side impact airbags for your safety, and a miles per gallon capacity of 20 when you are in the city. That goes up to 26 when you are in the highway. So make sure that you check it out over at FreemanMazda.net. Having said all of that, who do you think is next? Let's, let's look at some of your answers here. Who will make it into the Super Bowl? Into the Super Bowl. Into the Hall of Fame. Among those players that were not on Super Bowl teams. Let's see here. Probably Jason Winnen says Pale Moon in the YouTube chat. Toxic Tom says, so you mean played on Dallas or remembered as a cowboy? Let's let's open it up to played in Dallas, but mostly, yeah, I would say remembered as a cowboy. I'm wondering if you're thinking about Zach Thomas, because I know that we talked about him last week. No, I wouldn't count him. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Who else we have in the, in the show? Brian goes with Zach Martin. Interesting name to throw out there. Yeah. Who else? Um, I think someone had mentioned Tyron O'Brien Thompson over here on the Facebook chat too. Tyron's made also a good name. Brooking says Mitesh. Okay. Let me give you let me give you my big name that I think it's the he's the obvious one. Let me give it to you. This is like the obvious. This is like the guy that is definitely going to make it. It's a matter of time. Might even be a first ballot player. I'm going with Jason Witten. Not even a surprise. Two-time All-Pro. He is literally fourth all-time in catches. Are we too casual about this? Because, man, I feel like we are. And listen, Jason Winnen, have a special relationship with him. As a fan, this guy is perhaps 
the author of the moment in which a younger version of me said, oh, wait a minute, this word, I actually cared about this word way more than I thought, because I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I was already I already watched the Cowboys back then, but when Jason Witten ran without that helmet on his head, I knew I was falling in love with the game. And Jason Witten has to be in there in the Hall of Fame. I think that he is a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think that's the caliber of player that he is. His durability, his durability was special, unlike any other. Most consecutive games started by a tight end in NFL history. He owns pretty much all of those kind of records that you can think of in Cowboys history. I think that LP Lazarus beat him on one of those. But still, uh, Jason Witten is going to be there. I think that he is the guy that's next after the Marcus Ware. Now, there are more, more players that uh, should be discussed but Witten stands alone. Ryan agrees. He says he's a shoe-in. Ace goes with Witten easily in the first ballot. Gregory goes with agreed Mo. Should have been in years ago. Ronnie Lott playing in the box. Steve Atwater. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Ronnie Lott. Wait. I don't know if somebody's arguing against Ronnie Lott in the chat. That would be crazy. Or I don't know if they're talking about Steve Atwater. Uh, Steve Atwater. Oh yeah, Toxic Tom is arguing for Atwater over Darren Woodson. Okay, okay, we can talk about all of that for sure. Palewin says there is a five-year period before he can get in. I think that he's just getting to the end of that five-year waiting period. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you cannot get into the Hall of Fame until. Five years have gone by since your retirement. That is 100% the case. Some people have suggested that the Hall of Fame should get rid of the waiting period for Tom Brady because he has the seven Super Bowl rings and all of that. To that, I say, heck no. Forget about that because what's special about the Hall of Fame, and I know that the voting process is flawed, and I know that there are some uh, players that – are in there that shouldn't be in there or the other way around. And this is the case throughout all of sports. Uh, Major League Baseball, I think, is the, is the only other comparable Hall of Fame because even though, uh, and, and this might be out of ignorance because maybe I don't care too much about uh, the NBA or at least not compared to how much I care about baseball and football, so I might be wrong here, but I think that definitely Cooperstown and Canton are the most emblematic Hall of Fames out there. There is a boxing hall of fame, a, a an MMA hall of fame. I don't. I think they all pale in comparison to what Canton is and to what Cooperstown is. And maybe it's just how fans behave. Maybe fans care more about like there are no no other fan base is as nostalgic as baseball's fan base. That's a big thing about baseball. So, anyways. Uh, Mitesh says that everyone gets in the NBA one. <laughs> I, I didn't know. Like, I I am a casual. When it comes to the NBA, I will not lie to you. I am a casual. So maybe I speak out of ignorance. But yeah, I kind of feel like Canton and Cooperstown stand apart. So what I was saying, anyways, I know that I 
maybe went off a, off a sidetrack there. I don't think that you can change those kind of rules. Like, the Hall of Fame is above every other player, even if you are the greatest to ever do it. But the fact that it is arguable that you're not the best player of all time, because if anybody wants to say Jerry Jones is the actual uh, Jerry Jones, what? Jerry Rice is the actual GOAT, or Lawrence Taylor is the actual GOAT, or maybe Jim Brown, so stuff like that. I, I mean, I could... I can live with that is what I'm trying to say. So the fact that it is arguable, I just don't think you get rid of the five-year waiting period to get into the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying. Paymoon says Peyton Manning had to wait. So does Brady. Exactly. Exactly. I, I agree. You have to respect the process of the hall of fame doesn't matter how who you are you cannot set that precedent ever anyways uh some other guys that i would think of when talking about other candidates to the hall of fame and believe me we'll talk about one of them we'll talk about one of them because two might not be as controversial but out of the three names that you see on screen let me know who gets into the hall of fame if you had a vote and of course we're going by imaginary blood so we don't know who will actually be in it out of those three players that you see on screen who do you think makes it i've got tony romo on the list because i think that we need to talk about tony romo i think that will be a controversial one but i think we need to at least put his name up for a discussion Zach Martin is a six-time All-Pro. He has dominated every single year since he got to the league. The best guard in football since he was a rookie. Oh, man, I messed up the graphic, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You are right. I will fix that really quickly. <laughs> I had Romo's name twice. I forgot to edit it. My bad. Uh, Zach Martin, though, in the meantime, while... I kind of live produce this whole thing. I'm gonna use his first name, just so it is so it is more uh, recognizable. Out of, uh, I mean, Martin has been the best guard in football since he got to the league. He has been great in every sense of the word. You need to go with with Martin. I think he might struggle to be a first ballot Hall of Famer just because of the position. But voters might be right if they vote him as a first-year Hall of Famer. I think there is no debate when it comes to Rumble. Let's see some of your names here. All right, here goes. I've got Tyron Smith in there as well, two-time All-Pro. So let me know who makes it in there if you had a vote. Tony Romo, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith. And if you had another name, make sure you also drop it in there and let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's see how you feel about Romo. Let me know if you think, uh, if you agree or disagree with Romo going into the Hall of Fame, I will give you my take on the whole thing as well. Brian says, Tony was great, but not a Hall of Famer, uh, not a Hall of Fame nominee. Mitesh says, uh, Romo is not going anywhere. Most fans don't even think he's good around the nation. 
Martin is a first out Hall of Famer is Toxic Tom. I agree. One of the best guards ever in the NFL. Like, if they don't vote Zach Martin into the Hall of Fame in his first year, because it's happening, but if they don't do it in the first year, that's a flawed voting process, <laughs> in my opinion, and based on positional value. But that would suck because, yeah, he's one of the greatest, honestly. Tony Romo is the only one, and it should be, and he should be in the Hall of Fame, says Juan. With Romo, it could be decades before he gets in, even if he gets in. And I will agree with this, Pale. I mean, Pale Moon. I will agree with this because that's my feeling. I can see Romo. I can see Romo like being worthy of some Hall of Fame boats. He did some great stuff with the Cowboys, but the fact that he was never an All Pro. I mean, combined with the fact that he obviously does not have the playoff record, good or bad, I mean, whether or not QB wins and QB playoff wins, sorry, QB stat or not, you're still talking about how it works. And although he has a lot of accolades, although he had a very successful career, from a numbers perspective and what he actually did on the field, I think that it could be a long wait for Tony Romo if he ever gets in. I don't see him getting inducted in the first five years of him being in the ballot or even 10 years. I think he's one of those guys that might be inducted when he's a little bit older and you know there is a lot that actually allows him to be inducted. But I struggle to see him making it into the Hall of Fame. So I kind of lean no there. Tyron Smith, yes or no? Give me your take on this one. Tyron Smith has been one of the best left tackles in the NFL in the most prolific era of passing in the league. And I think that definitely matters. Two-time old pro there's a lot of competition when it comes to left tackle, so I wouldn't expect a big, big number when it comes to first-team all-pro selections. And by the way, these are only first-team selections, the ones that you see on screen. Tyron Smith gets the vote from me. So Zach Martin and Tyron Smith both get the, the nod from me. I would get them in the Hall of Fame. I would definitely struggle a little bit with Tony Romo. If Rumble goes in, he would have to keep being liked in broadcasting, says Bruce. I agree. Uh, those in the media are usually benefited from being in the media. Weird thing with uh, Tony Romo, maybe I have not been paying very, uh, very close attention to, you know, everything that he says on the broadcasts, but I've been surprised at the perception of Romo around the internet. People loved him. Like, they loved him. And that's why CBS... Broke the bank, gave him his money. And then now people don't like Tony, apparently, at least from what I see on social media. But I think that he's exciting. I mean, I think that he brings something else to the table. I don't know if maybe I'm missing some stuff that he's saying and maybe he's out there uh, just providing terrible, terrible analysis or maybe he's being lazy when it comes to his preparation. But I, I, I am surprised that suddenly the perception is that Tony Romo sucks as a broadcaster. Maybe I should pay more attention to what he's saying to give you a more educated take. 
But in the meantime, though, I will say that that benefits him in the Hall of Fame conversation. Now, other names that are maybe like uh, players that you could, you could, you could throw them in the conversation if you're having some beers with your friends and you're trying to answer the same question right here. Uh, ooh, ooh, I like this one, Toxic Tom. Toxic Tom says, Mo, Travis Frederick is one that I am on the fence about, mainly because his career was cut short. <laughs> Different word, but it was a typo. Ooh, Travis Frederick, mm, I like it, but also you're right. Long longevity is an issue for him. And he's not the only player that I can think of in which I, I see longevity being an, an, an issue. Travis Frederick, I'm opening up his PFR page real quick here just to see his all-pro selections and number of seasons he played. Oh, oh man, he, he played so little, right? He played from 2013 to 2017, had one all-pro there. And then in 2019, he returned after the uh, season that he missed. And he, and he was a pro bowler, but not an old pro. He did have two other second-team old pro selections, so maybe that helps him. I could see him getting in the conversation, but I don't see him making it because of how short his career was indeed. Uh, I, I mean, like... He is a borderline Hall of Famer, and I love Travis Frederick. But the fact that he's borderline, even like even if he had played, say, 13 years, let's tack on a, a, a few extra years to his career, and let's say that he didn't win any other All-Pro in those hypothetical, invented, made-up years, he might be borderline. So the fact that he's seven years... It's a, it's a seven-year career kind of kills it for me. It kills his chances of making it. But definitely a player worth bringing up, like I'm saying. There is another one that I would also like kind of toss out there. And I don't think that he will be in the Hall of Fame. But this is a name that I would just like, you know, throw to the conversation. If we were talking, you know, as friends, sharing some beers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go on and... and and talk about it on a primetime live show. But like I would say, have we seen, how many players have we seen? And I know that I'm just dragging out the suspense. I'm sorry. But how many players have we seen post the Super Bowl days that have been as dominant as Des Bryant was from 2010 to 2014. Because other than the offensive linemen, the answer might be no. I don't think that we've seen a player dominate the football field as much as Des Bryant did for those seasons to start his career. Since 2010 to 2014. He averaged over 1,000 yards. He had a 2014 season, which was insane. 16 touchdowns in that year, too, by the way. And I'm just saying, I don't see him in the Hall of Fame. But 88 is one of the most dominant players. The problem is that that dominance lasted very little. 
They didn't last much. Had he built on that career post-2014 and say all the way into 2019 or something like that, then Des Bryant might be in the conversation to be a Hall of Famer. But yeah, he, he does not have the track record to make it, in my opinion. But I, I'm, I'm just like tossing that name out there because I think he's one of the most dominant players that we've seen in Dallas in the non-Super Bowl days. Let's see. Uh, Gregory says, I don't think that he will ever make it into the Hall of Fame, but one of my all-time favorite Cowboys was Marion the Barbarian Barber. Rest in peace, man. That, oh. But yeah, I agree. Uh, he was very fun to watch. I don't see him in the Hall of Fame, though. Ryan Null says Toxic Tom. <laughs> 88, throw up the X's, Chris. Let's see here. Mm. He barely has enough full seasons to get his benefits. Talking about Travis there from Brian. Aznich says, uh, seven years in making five Pro Bowls is nice for Travis Frederick as well. Toxic Tom says, Mo, where does Des Bryant rank among players who have won, who have won 88 in Dallas? Third at best? Yeah, that's probably right. Like, that's probably right. James Washington, he's a Cowboy legend, says Bruce. Ace says about this, he says, Jesus, why did he fall off so crazy after 2014? I think it was a variety of, of factors playing into that. Des Bryant was injured, you know, in 2015. And I don't think that he was ever the same after that. And also, I don't, maybe I don't have the evidence to back this up, but this is just how I feel. He had something special with Tony. And this is not saying that Tony made Des or Des made Tony. Uh, I'm not saying any of that nature. But they did have something special. And maybe he never found that with Dak Prescott. And this is not saying that, oh, Dak couldn't, you know, make Des Bryant work or the other way around. There is chemistry when it comes to football. I just think that Tony and Des had something very, very special. And he didn't have it with Dak for some reason. Maybe they just were not on the same page. And maybe he grew frustrated with the team as well. We know there were some uh, rough moments in there. You know, there were the Snake League comments. One of those things. What? Sugar Daddy Williams, I will be completely honest with you. I did not know this. Ed Tuttle Jones is not in the Hall of Fame? He says, that's my beef. Oh, snap. Is he not in the Hall of Fame? I thought that he was. Like, if, if you had told me list every, uh, list the 22 players that are in the Hall of Fame for the Cowboys, I would have said Ed Tuttle Jones at some point. I'm surprised by that. Damn. I thought that he was in there. I would not have gotten that right in a Cowboys trivia quiz. Ooh, should we do that at some point this offseason? Should we do a Cowboys uh, trivia? Think maybe we should. Let's let's try to do that. He ain't in because he's too tall. It's toxic. <laughs> Why is that so funny? <laughs> 
Oh man. All right. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed so much at that. Oh. Anyways, before we get out of here, uh let, let let's get into the one cool thing segment. My one cool thing segment will be related directly to this whole conversation. Cuz I got curious about Chuck Howley being the one and only defensive player to be on a losing team. Heck, forget about defensive player. He's the one and only player to be uh, the Super Bowl MVP while being on the losing side of things. And I wondered, how the heck does that happen? How do you get the Super Bowl MVP not in a game that you did not even win? So I made some, I, I, I researched. And what I found interesting, some of you might know all of this, but this was entirely new to me, and I'm sure that it will be new for some Cowboys fans in here. But I wanted to go direct to the source. I wanted to, I mean, secondary source, but still, I wanted to go to the newspapers of the day. Turns out this was called, this was called the Blunder Bowl by some people or the Blooper Bowl. But man, like, there is some wild stuff in these newspapers. I will read this exactly as is. This is by John G. Griffin from the UPI. He's a sports editor of that newspaper. And he wrote, <laughs> this is funny. The Baltimore Colts didn't exactly do it the classy way Brooks Robinson and the Baltimore Orioles did, but they'll take it anyway. They fumbled five times. They threw three pass interceptions. They flopped an extra point, and three of them even collided trying to stop a punt from going into the end zone. Nothing like the super way Robinson scooped up hot rounders for baseball's Orioles. But the Colts are laughing all the way to the bank today to deposit their $15,000 checks thanks to a 22-year-old long-haired rookie named Jim O'Brien, who redeemed all mistakes with a 32-yard field goal for a 16 and 13 win over the Dallas Cowboys. Some context here. Shock had two interceptions in this low scoring affair. And one of them was even a diving interception. So that's maybe why he got the nod for defensive, uh, not for Super Bowl MVP on a losing team. Now, let's get into the kicker of the newspaper picture that I just showed you. My mother's an astrologer. And she told me we were going to win, said O'Brien, the kicker with a game-winning kick, who is not only an Aquarius himself, <laughs> and, and isn't this the age of Aquarius, but also, sorry, Cowboys, a burned Texan. That is an actual newspaper. That's the actual Super Bowl Five recap from a newspaper. But this is from Sports Illustrated. And this is from Tex Mao. And he writes... Perhaps the game should be called the Blunder Bowl from now on. The Baltimore Colts are the new world champions, but they won their first Super Bowl by default, not design. They defeated the Dallas Cowboys 16-13 on a field goal by rookie place kicker Jim O'Brien with five seconds remaining, one of the few plays of the day that worked as it was supposed to. Prior to this ultimate flicker of excellence, the Colts had entertained 80,000 Miami fans and a television audience from the far reaches of West Germany to Japan with five fumbles, four of them recovered by Dallas, three interceptions, and a blocked extra point. 
That ought to be enough to present almost any opponent with a bold game, but Dallas proved it was not just any opponent. Indeed, the Cowboys finally demonstrated that they had an even greater talent for making the big boo-boo and to think television was worried that situation comedy was dead. <laughs> Bro, what? <laughs> These are the actual newspapers of back in 1971 recapping the game. So as you can see, it was a messy, messy game. That's my one cool thing of the week. I was really, really having fun reading those uh, old school newspapers. But anyways, Deep Dive Mo, bring it up to speed, says uh, Magenta Placenta. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, NFL Hall of Fame bias against the Cowboys. We should have 50 guys in. Toxic Tom says go Orioles. I knew that he was going to love the Orioles reference in there. All right, before we get out of here, what is your one cool thing of the week? For those of you who are new to the show, this is our feel-good space when we can talk about uh, sports-related things, non-sport-related things, something personal, professional, uh, whatever you want, something that is your one cool thing of the week. Man, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Dallas played Dorset at center. This is Toxic Tom. Can you imagine that? I mean, to be fair, they won the Super Bowl the year after Toxic Tom. So if the more things change, the more they stay the same, we're in for a fun year because the Cowboys won Super Bowl six after losing Super Bowl five. My one cool thing, says Gregory, was, it, was, <laughs> was shooting down the Chinese balloon. That, wow, I did not get that storyline at all. Like, I mean, I read all about it. That it was some weird stuff going on in the United States. Uh, Toxic Tom. <laughs> I don't want to read that one, Toxic Tom. Goodwin says Eagles are having a parade tomorrow. That's not, that's not a one cool thing, though, Goodwin. Thank you to Magenta uh, for the Valentine's Day wishes. Thank you, thank you. Joey Bella says, one cool thing, just got my first pair of LeBrons for Valentine's Day. Katharina says, one cool thing is how Eagle fans booed Dak and then they lost the Super Bowl. I, I, that sucks, they booed Dak Prescott. Like, not even surprised, not going to act like I'm surprised, not going to act like it was newsworthy. But that was a sucky situation. I saw the Marcus Ware cry, says Sugar Daddy Williams. That is one cool thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. We had a good show tonight. Perhaps reading newspapers from 1971 is a highlight of my primetime days here on ADC Sports Dallas. I will not even going to lie to you. I will see you tomorrow, 8 p.m. Central, same time. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show. Do me a favor, and if you enjoyed the content, hit the thumbs up because every like puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. As always, remember that Primetime is brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net, and you can check out the website adcsports.com for more Cowboys content. I will see you mañana, y espero que tengan un gran martes. Feliz día de San Valentín. Nos vemos. Adios. Bye-bye.